It's time for a new story. A new story. And whoever goes too deep into this has his share of that curse. So we are cursed with what we are doing here. It's like no matter how bad things get, there's something good out there. People know the hero who saved them. A hero can be anyone. Have you ever seen a problem, like a big society problem, and thought, I should do something about that? Or maybe you thought, hey, someone should do something about that. But then you look at the colossal scale and magnitude of the problem and you decide right away that that someone is not going to be you. I think it's fair to say we've all been there. We've all shied away from trying to make a difference. I know I have. And it's mostly because I feel kind of powerless at the foot of some of these problems that I, quote, care about. Well, this episode is about someone who saw a problem, a massive problem, a problem that had millions of tiny pieces rushing at him with each incoming tide. And he said, I can fix this, or at least I can be part of the solution. All right, enough of me talking. I want to try some sort of weird transition here. Maybe I can do like a swipe sound or a whoosh. No, that doesn't sound right. Maybe this one. All right, forget it. But the point is, we're going into the story now. You hear that sound? You might be thinking it sounds like a small motorbike or a lawnmower, but it's actually a golf cart. It's also Manny Rionda's chariot that takes him to the beach in his hometown of Key Biscayne, Florida. Key Biscayne is an affluent beach community. It's an island just south of Miami Beach, and it's a mix of that stereotypical Miami draw and wealthy suburbs. It's got high-rise condos, white sand beaches, warm waters. Andy Garcia lives there, and Juanes, the Colombian musician, lives there. Even Richard Nixon had homes on this island. It was the site of his winter White House. As you might expect, golf carts are pretty common on the island. But trust me, if you saw Manny's golf cart, you'd look twice. His cart has now become a staple of the movement that he started nearly five years ago. I have a, a golf cart that's kind of unique in that, first of all, it doesn't have a roof. It was a roof versus a palm tree once, and the thing collapsed like, you know, aluminum foil. And so, uh, you know, I, I told my kids, I was like, guys, um, all right, well, let's go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go buy a new roof. And they're like, no, dad, let's let's just keep it convertible. I go convertible. It rains. It's hot. You're in the sun. They're like, dad, didn't you always want a Jeep when you were a kid? And I thought to myself, yeah, I, I mean, who didn't want a CJ7 or Renegade when they were a kid? Right. And they're like, you got one, dad. You got a Jeep. You got a convertible. It's not just the missing roof that would make you do a double take. But the cart is covered in stickers and adorned with tokens of Manny's movement. And by tokens, I mean trashy tokens. It's literally covered in trash. But trash that's fastened into something sort of like Christmas ornaments hanging off the sides of the cart. When things are put on it, like decorations, they never come off of it. You know, there's like, there's, there's things hanging from the mirror that are from, you know, Easter five years ago. Um, you know, we found a... Uh, uh, a Cuban raft with a paddle with four paddles. So we, you know, we took one of the paddles and we affixed it to the front of the golf cart. Oh, and another thing that stands out about this makeshift trash mobile, which by the way, has affectionately come to be known as the trashy cart, is that someone named Chico is always sitting in the passenger seat right next to Manny. Chico's a Russell Terrier, a small white and brown dog. And the reason I say someone and not some dog is that Chico has the intelligence and wherewithal of a someone, not a dog. The sound you're hearing in the background, I recorded it a couple weeks ago when I joined Manny and Chico on their daily ritual. Yeah, speed bump here. 
We were headed to the beach just after sunrise. Chico was riding shotgun and I was in the back row of the trashy cart. As we pulled up to the beach access right next to Key Biscayne's beach club, Manny and Chico hopped out of the cart almost simultaneously. They walked over to a white post at the corner of the beach access. The white wooden post had a few hooks nailed into it and some buckets hanging from the hooks. Even though there were buckets hanging on it, the post was called a fill-a-bag station. I'll get to why later. But you should know that two years ago, Manny dug a hole and put that post there, with one goal in mind. To make it easier for people to do what he had been doing for almost three years, to take trash off the beach. Fill-a-bag began uh, as a habit. We would take daily strolls on the beach, either in the mornings or in the afternoons, sunset. And we started noticing how much trash there was on the beach. So we got into the habit of bringing a bag with us each time we took a stroll with the intention of filling that bag, sharing it with our chats, with our social medias, with our friend groups, not in a, not in a way to, to brag or bring attention to ourselves, but more so to bring attention to a problem. Why is there so much trash on the beach? How come it never seems to end? How, how can we make a difference by picking this up, picking this trash up? Or can we make a difference? Will it make a difference? Did you catch that last part? Those questions? How can we make a difference? Will we make a difference? It seems to me that Manny got further than I ever have in that whole make a difference process. He actually started thinking about these big problems. In this case, it was beaches covered in trash. He actually started entertaining this simple question rather than just dismissing it. Manny tells me that somewhere along this timeline, after he made filling a bag a habit, something clicked. Fill a bag's about two years old right now in uh, late 2020. Uh, we began in probably October, November of 2018. But before that, for probably about three years or so, uh, we would do our, our fill a bag walks. It, it took us a while to actually formalize it and you know, put something around the idea and to launch this concept, this initiative. But, you know, one thing that's uh, interesting to note is that, you know, I'm, I'm 53. So I've been doing this since I was 48, right? What did I do before that? How many times did I go to the beach before that? How many times did I go out on the water before that? How many times did I go paddling before that? And how many of those times did I, did I actually pick up trash? The answer is plenty of times out there but zero times picking up trash. So in, in kind of a, a strange twist, by beginning this habit of filling a bag each time at the beach, like I never went to the beach the same again. I, was I ruining my time at the beach? Was it possible for me to take a leisurely stroll on the beach without picking up trash now anymore? Would that be possible? Uh, no, it wasn't possible. I can attest to what Manny's describing. And I'm not sure if it's specific to this issue or specific to this type of eco-activism. But after I did a few beach cleanups with Manny, nothing was the same. The blinders came off and I realized there's trash everywhere and I can't just walk by it anymore. When, we're, when we go in the mangroves, you know, you go in the mangroves and you're paddling by the mangroves and you're like, wow, this is beautiful, man. Look at these beautiful mangroves and the water's so calm and look, there's a bird and the fish and crabs. And then in the distance, you see deep in there, you see some like something white, you know, or something red or something blue. And you realize this is not part of nature. Let me go see what it is. So you go in there and you find, uh, you know, an old Gatorade bottle or a buoy or a piece of plastic. 
And what I tell people when they when we go on mangrove cleanups is to once you look for that one sort of that anchor trash, right? That one thing that's going to get you off your paddleboard and into the mangroves. And once you get in there to that point that you're that you're targeting, allow your eyes to acclimate. Allow your eyes to start taking in everything around you. And before you know it, you're going to start to see ropes other plastic, more styrofoam, you know, and, and then realize, wow, there's a whole bucket full of trash in here. Manny could no longer walk on the beach without picking up trash. So he started sharing images of his loot on social media. Initially, it was through just kind of sharing the images on chats and social medias and seeing that the response was 100%, you know, hey, this is great, thank you, uh, you know, uh, I, I do this too, you know, I, I, I used to do this too. Or we'd be walking on the beach, you know, someone would always engage you on the beach. Thank you. What's in the bucket? I do this too. So in 2018, Philabag only had posts on Instagram, but soon enough, it was time to put one on the beach. See what I did there? It was very clear that people were on board with this, that this was something that, you know, that it might have some legs. So the gradual progression was, what if we can make it easier for people to engage in this type of eco-activism? What if we could provide a bag for, for folks when they come to the beach that they can grab, fill that bag, share it up, and, and dispose of it responsibly? So we basically took a page out of the dog poop station and uh, came up with this concept of a post that initially it had a box attached to it. And in that box, we were going to put all of our plastic Winn-Dixie bags. So when people go to the beach, they can grab one of the plastic Winn-Dixie bags and repurpose it to fill with trash. If you're thinking, wait a second, more plastic bags at the beach, that can't be good. Well, you're not alone. Manny thought the same thing. So the concept had to change. Plastic Winn-Dixie bags shouldn't even exist, you know? So as we went through various iterations, we realized that the best tools of all were buckets because you know, that's what we would use when we went to beach cleanups. We would bring our own bucket and we, and we found that you know, buckets are easier to clean, uh, they're more durable. You can have buckets of different sizes for people of different sizes uh, to engage a wider range of folks. While the Philabag stations now have buckets, Manny does actually hand out eco-friendly mesh bags at his beach cleanup events. I'm saying that just so you know, Philabag isn't really a misnomer. Plus it sticks a lot better than Philip Bucket. Anyway, back to the story. Every year, a philanthropic organization in Miami called naturally the Miami Foundation hosts a grant-based public space challenge in order to improve public spaces around the city. In early 2018, we uh, submitted our idea for a fill-a-bag station to the Miami Foundation's public space challenge. Just to be clear, when Manny speaks in the first person plural, he's referring to himself and his Philabag co-founders, his partner, Nancy Levitt Davis, and his friend, James Duncan. Oh, and of course, his dog, Chico. In May of 2018, we found out that we had made it to the finals, and we received a call from the Miami Foundation saying that, um, hey, we'd love to come and, uh, you know, and, and interview you and take a picture, you know, see your, see your Philabag station there on Key Biscayne. Um, so I said, okay, uh, sure. And they said, great, we have, um, you know, CBS uh, ready to go over there and do a story uh, with, a, you know, with a newscaster. And we also have our person from the Miami Foundation to come over and interview. All the recognition and hype were definitely exciting and things were finally taking off. But there was just one problem. 
there weren't actually any Filibag stations up yet. Nor did Manny actually have permission from officials to put one up. You're probably thinking he backtracked and explained the situation, but no, actually that's not what happened. Instead, he played it cool on the phone. And I was like, okay, uh, when would you like to do that? And they're like, how about four o'clock? And I was like, today? <laughs> and so they said, yeah. I said, uh, sure, let's make it five. So I bought myself an extra hour. I jumped in my golf cart. I raced over to, uh, to one of uh, the founder's home where he was the guy who kind of designed the Filibag station and uh, James Duncan. And, um, and I, you know, I was like, James, I gotta, I gotta grab the post. I gotta grab the Filibag station. Where's the post digger? So he told me where it all was. I hustled back down to the beach. I literally dug a hole in the ground right there. I planted the Filibag station. And, you know, 10 minutes later, the uh, Miami Foundation and the newscaster or the news, uh, the cameraman were there ready to interview. The first Filibag station was a massive step toward answering that first question. Can we make a difference? Today, there are over 30 operational stations in Florida and beyond. When I joined Manny on his daily cleanup a few weeks ago, we visited that first Filibag post, the beginning of the Filibag movement. I walked behind Manny and Chico as Manny scoured the beach for plastics and microplastics. He bent down periodically to dig bottles and ropes and shoes out from underneath the sand. Soon enough, Manny's bucket was completely full. And trust me, we hadn't even walked that far yet. Something became apparent. One bucket wasn't gonna change anything. The amount of trash was unending. This is what our beaches are these days. Plastics and microplastics have replaced the coral fragments and the seashells. There's a dystopian, trashy human footprint everywhere you look. Pristine white sand beaches are myths long gone. Watch out for broken glass and use syringes now. Wade through the trash if you want to touch the water, which by the way is usually so hot it's killing all the fish. Forget reefs, forget fish, forget seashells, forget waves and grainy sand. That tide is receding quickly. We need some salvation from somewhere. And what I realized was that Manny's one bucket wasn't gonna save us. I'm one person. If I take, you know, if I fill five bags a week, that's five bags of marine debris that we're removing from the ocean and the beaches. If uh, two of us do it, that's 10, you know? If 10 of us do it, that's 50 bags. If, you know, 50 of us do it, that's 250 bags, and so on and so forth. 500 bags, or even 1,000 bags, is a big difference, but still minuscule in the face of this massive global problem. Later that morning, I found out that Manny was carrying a much more potent weapon into the war against plastic pollution. We finished the morning beach cleanup, disposed of the trash in the designated fill-a-bag trash cans by the beach. Don't worry, Manny makes sure that the trash he collects doesn't end up back on the beach. We hopped onto the trashy cart. We were heading towards Bill Bag's Cape Florida State Park at the end of the Key Biscayne Island. It's a swath of protected land at the southern tip of the island, marked by a pretty huge lighthouse that's been there for over 200 years. Even though it's protected, still, it gets pretty trashy. We pulled up to the state park just as the gates opened for the day. We stationed right next to a park bench just near the beach access. Manny and some of his Filibag assistants began unloading the trashy cart. Um, the buckets, we could just lay them out right here. These are kid gloves right here. So we're gonna be wearing gloves today, all right? Before long, groups of kids and their parents started arriving, all in masks, some with their own buckets, some empty-handed. They were setting up for a beach cleanup with local youth groups. Soon enough, 20 or 30 kids showed up. 
Boys and girls, anywhere from 4 years old to 15 and 16. And their parents, too. We all made our way to the beach. Here we are at Bill Baggs, Cape Florida State Park. Today we have a group that's come out. Uh, we occasionally do just pop-up cleanups. We know there's been a strong east wind. It's a perfect low tide. So we put the word out, and the Philabag crews show up. Actually, today we have uh, a few crews that are uh, that have emerged since Philabag. Uh, local local youth who put together their own cleanup initiatives. We have the KB, KB Beach Bunnies, which is a group of middle school girls, and then we also have the uh, newly soon to be named Trash Talkers, a group of uh, probably like four to ten year old kids. So come on out. When we reached the sand, the kids gathered around Manny. Everyone made a circle, a safe COVID circle with lots of masks and precautions. It wasn't your usual scene of middle school kids though. They weren't fidgety, they weren't distracted. They gazed up intently at Manny, listening over the howls of wind that were blowing from the ocean. It was an east wind, the kind of wind that Manny looked forward to because it brought in large amounts of trash with its onshore trajectory and strong currents. Manny was the eco-preacher in his sandy pulpit. He had a tiny piece of blue filament between his gloved fingers, like a priest holding the Eucharist above the congregation. It forms the rack line. Can everybody see the rack line here today? It's very clear, right? It's this dark seaweed that's pulling right up the line here. Within the rack line, if you look, all of a sudden, you'll just start finding tiny pieces of plastic. Anybody know what this is called? We call it microplastic, right? The group's mission that day was simple. Scoop up as much trash as possible, and most importantly, keep an eye out for microplastics, like the little one that Manny was holding between his fingers. The kids took off in different directions, some heading southward on the beach and others heading north. Then the realization dawned on me. That tiny piece of blue plastic between Manny's fingers was minuscule. Alone, it likely would have no effect on the ocean, no effect on the beach. The problem is, there are millions of microplastics just like it, and together those tiny pieces of plastic are destroying the fragile ecosystems, ruining the beaches, killing fish, killing reefs, killing birds. In that little circle that formed on the beach, Manny was like the microplastic, but with the exact opposite effect. Manny's bucket alone wouldn't change anything, but if he could make tens, hundreds, and even thousands of people just like him, then maybe an entire army of eco-warriors could make a difference. And I'm not talking about just thousands of people picking up trash. Manny's most potent weapon is the idea he's spreading. It's the eco-awareness that he preaches every weekend. With this message, Manny can change the way thousands of people live, the way they interact with their environment. And like the plastics, Manny is starting at the micro level with educating kids. What'd you get? I got a lot of microplastic and more trash. Oh, nice, good job. The ocean is dirty. The beaches are dirty. These are not opinions, they're not political statements, they're facts. It's not hard to understand. All it takes is Manny holding up that tiny blue filament in front of our eyes, or posting a picture of his bucket full of trash on social media, and something within you changes. The problem is there, but once you choose to stop ignoring it, it becomes real. Once you've considered that simple question, can I make a difference, then you're halfway there. The impact isn't measured in how much trash you pick up. Certainly it makes a big difference uh, when you talk about, you know, organizations like 4Ocean that, you know, have picked up 10 million pounds of trash. Obviously a lot less trash in the ocean, um, but, but ultimately the real problem is it, how it gets there, right? And if it keeps coming. And uh, what, we, what we realize is that uh, by engaging in a, a cleanup, a beach cleanup, or a neighborhood cleanup, a fill cleanup, 
uh, you are you are activating something within you. You are uh, you are potentially impacting your own lifestyle awareness. Uh, you are beginning to question your own choices and behaviors. Uh, you know, uh, you you your thing may not be picking up marine debris, but after picking up you know a thousand plastic bottles or ten plastic bottles or one plastic bottle, you realize, hey, you know what? Do I really need plastic bottles in my life? You know, how can I change my behavior? If we want a brighter future, we need to nip the problem in the bud. We need to create lasting change. Yeah, cleaning up oceans is extremely important. Picking up the mess we have made is crucial, but it's equally important to make sure we don't keep making that mess. It's crucial that we make lifestyle changes en masse. There's a quote that says, um, what difference is it, does it make if I toss my cigarette butt from the window, said 10 million people. That expression works and vice versa too. What difference does it make if I fill one bucket with trash, said 10 million people. What difference does it make if I don't use plastic water bottles anymore, said 10 million people. What difference does it make if I stop buying plastic bags, said 10 million people. This is how Manny makes a difference. By spreading a simple idea, a simple question. How can we reduce, refuse, or even reuse the amount of single-use plastics in our lives? And also, by making that idea fun. As I walked around the beach, I saw kids laughing, running around, competing with each other, seeing who could get the most trash. I remember the first few cleanups I had done. During one of them, we went through the mangroves, along the limestone riprap, along the edges of Key Biscayne. There was so much trash knotted between the mangrove roots, pinned between rocks. Most of it was in hard to reach places. In the peak 90 degree heat of that summer day, that beach cleanup turned into a fitness challenge. I remember contorting my body into weird positions, squeezing between mangroves to reach that deep trash. I remember pulling with all my might at ropes trapped between rocks, cutting all sorts of strange, unnatural materials off of trees with a knife. After an hour, the group and I headed back to the parking lot with our buckets completely full and our bodies completely drained. If you know me, you know I was a pretty serious athlete. And trust me, I've never had a workout as challenging as this fill bag cleanup. We've done some t really tough cleanups together, really like, you know, uh, physically demanding cleanups. Uh, you get a charge for that from that. There's an endorphin rush that happens when you're out there on a paddleboard or climbing a breakwater rock or you know grabbing someone's arm as they're trying to balance themselves. Um, there's a there's a collaborative nature to it. There's a hey, we're all in here together on this. We're all in here for we're all here for the same reason. It doesn't matter if you voted for Trump or Biden or you know if you believe in the Second Amendment or whatever your you know political beliefs are or, or whether you think people should wear a mask or not. We're here for this reason, we can be united on that. Walking along the beach with all those kids, I realized this is why Philabag has grown so much in just two years. There's something addictive about the camaraderie, about the exercise. It's just like being on a sports team or being part of an extreme sport. You do get a rush. And once you get that rush, you can't help but change as a person. Manny has managed to counteract a massive daunting problem with something fun, something positive. And maybe that is the art of making a difference. And maybe it's not just about these massive problems in the world. Maybe the idea works in our own lives. Yeah, ocean pollution is a massive problem. And there are also massive problems in our own personal lives. But what if there are ways to make a dent in those problems while also enjoying ourselves? And maybe not telling ourselves pollution is bad, but instead saying cleaning is good, living plastic free is good. I don't know, it's food for thought.
That's it for this week's episode. If you want to actually see what Manny's been up to in real time, follow along on his Instagram page. It's at Philabag and support the cause along the way. If you like this podcast so far, then consider sharing Deeper Than That with a friend or visiting our Instagram page at Deeper Than That. But the first two E's are threes, so it's D33PER than that. And most importantly, if you have suggestions for stories I should tell, then send a direct message and let me know. I'm always looking for new stories to share. And if you think of someone or something that should be explored, do tell. Special thanks to Manny Rionda for participating in this week's episode. Thanks to Trevor Green for production oversight and Michael Malone for editorial oversight. This podcast was produced and written by me, Christopher Baird. I'll catch you next week on Deep Into. And whoever goes too deep into this has his share of that curse. So we are cursed with what we are doing here. It's like no matter how bad things get, there's something good out there. People know the hero who saved them. A hero can be anyone.